Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. Well, we've got this topic again, diacetyl and acetylpropanol in e-liquid, but we've got it in a way that it's really never come up before. There have been questions in the past as to specific companies, whether or not they're using it, and there have been reactions, some good, some bad, but it's really been on an individual company-by-company company level. Some companies have taken upon themselves to test their liquid and put their lab results on their website, which is uh, very commendable. What we're going to be talking about today is something entirely different, to my knowledge, something that's never happened before, where a distributor, in this case VaporShark, publishing not just their own e-liquid results, but every e-liquid that they carry, and I don't know how many that is. I'll ask Mike in a second. Uh, it, it looks like over. It looks like close to two hundred. I'll ask Mike. Um, but these are, again, not just their liquids, which of course they, they tested and posted, but every liquid that they distribute and they distribute for dozens and dozens of companies and each company has many, many flavors. So we're talking about hundreds, a lot of money. Um, and I think it was money well spent for them, but also for the consumer, because now for the first time there, there's this, there's this website that sells liquids from all sorts of companies, and you can check right there, right on the website, to see how they tested for these chemicals that a lot of people are concerned about. So what we're going to do is first we're going to talk to uh, Mike from Vapor Shark, just to talk about the motivation and the and the thought process and, and what they went through to, to get this done and why they did it and all that. And then, uh, then we'll do something interesting. And then after that, we will, uh, th that is related to this, by the way. And then after that, we're going to have Dr. Farsalinos to really break down the science behind this. Because, you know, as, as this issue keeps getting brought up again and again, more and more people, you know, there's people who've heard this a hundred times, not like this, and certainly not with the numbers that came out with some of the liquids that VaporShark published. So that's that's kind of new. But so, so a lot of people are, are, are familiar with it. But each time this comes up, New, you know, not necessarily new vapors, but vapors discover this and say they don't even know what diacetyl or acetylpropanol is. They don't know what those chemicals are. They don't know what the potential health side effects are. So Dr. Farsalinas will help us once again to break down these complex scientific things into layman's terms, into things that everybody can, can understand so that you as a consumer can make your own choices as to whether or not you want to accept this risk, these risks, as a part of uh, your vaping life, so to speak, um, and what you know, what kind, what is what's an acceptable risk, what's not an acceptable risk, what are the potential health side effects, um, just putting everything out there on a factual, scientific level, based on data and research, not based on hearsay and conjecture. So, uh, eh, without further ado, let's start the show. Hey now. 
All right, everybody. Let's get started. Okay, so like I said, I'm going to bring on Mike from Vapor Shark, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what uh, everything that went into this decision-making process to spend God knows how much money to test all these e-liquids. Hey, you there, Mike? I'm here, Russ. How are you doing? Good. Good. Hey, thanks for accepting my invitation to come on the show to talk about this. I really appreciate it. Uh, before we get started, uh, introduce yourself. Tell people a little bit about you. Uh, well, um, uh, Mike Hernandez, uh, uh, you know, I came into uh, Vapor Shark. Actually, I, I saw Vapor Shark grow uh, from the beginning. Um, however, I was not uh, working with the company. Um, Brandon Lydell, the CEO, and I have been. Uh, friends for a very, very long time, and, uh, you know, he asked me about a year and a half ago or so to, to, to you know, to come in and, and help him with this monster that we created here, that he created here. Um, so um, <laughs> we came in, and uh, we've just been, um, you know, pushing hard, trying to to grow, um, and, you know, this uh, whole thing that we've done here is actually part of, of, our, of, of our growth, and really not just our growth, but we believe the uh, growth and uh, maturation of the industry. So, and your uh, and your uh, and your role at Vapor Shark is what exactly? Well, I'm I'm the director of operations. Uh, so basically, I have a, a hand in in every little thing from you can imagine, the, either from the warehouse all the way to the laboratory to the um, uh, <clears throat> to design, engineering, and, and, and everything that that, that has to. Uh, with you know making this whole uh you know this whole engine uh run as smoothly as possible so obviously together. so obviously something like this taking on a project of testing every single e-liquid that you sell is something that you are intimately involved with uh, yeah absolutely okay all right so um first of all it, it's hard to there's no like centralized list on the website you have to go to every specific flavor you got to go to a the, your e-liquid section, then you got to go to your uh, a company. You got to pick a company, then you got to pick a company's flavor, and then you can access the laboratory results for that specific flavor. So there's no list. I I guessed it was mm -hmm. somewhere around three three hundred. Do, do you know exactly how many flavors you guys tested? Well, aside from our flavors, we we carry, I believe, it's forty four uh, brands right now. Uh, Flavors, if you go all together, I believe it's 206, uh, I think, 206, uh, maybe a little more actually now because a few lines have added a flavor here and there. Um, and we've brought on, actually, since that 206 count, a couple more lines. So maybe about 220, you know, 225, something like that. Um, it's a lot to keep track of, <laughs> especially yeah. as we bring on more lines. Um, but... Uh, yeah, we definitely have a, a really wide variety. Uh, you know, we, we started with our own flavors, and when we were a mom-pop shop, and and just you know decided uh, a little bit uh, again over a year ago to begin bringing on new lines, um, third-party lines, uh, just to expand our business and um, and offer you know our customer base what uh, they're looking for. So, it's a considerable expense. I mean, I I think it's money well spent for sure it's you know you're talking about 220 some odd liquids uh enthalpy does your testing they usually i i, I don't know what they charged you but even if they give you a, a real good deal 
we're still talking about tens and tens of thousands of dollars. So it's it's a significant expense, and it's really, uh, to the to, to my knowledge, maybe you know otherwise, I've never seen a distributor who has different liquids from different companies release testing on all of them. I've never seen that done before. Are, are you familiar with this happening before you guys decided to do it? No. Um, as far as we know, nobody's ever done it before. Um, I've had conversations with uh, the people in the industry, um, you know, prior to us doing all this, uh, about precisely this issue um, and how we in particular feel about it. Uh, you know, and, and, and listen, you know, when, when this all started out, uh, we were all just really happy to not be smoking. Um, so now that we have moved forward in time and are... Um, at this impasse, uh, you know, we really felt it was time to give our consumer base uh, a, a good way to take an educated, to make an educated decision. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. There's not one list anywhere on the website that'll just take you and say, hey, look, you know, um, this has, you know, this amount or there's nothing like that. Uh, you know, if that's something that people request in the future, we could do that. I mean, the reason, the whole reason behind doing it this way is because people already have brands that they love. People, uh, of course, are always curious about, you know, new flavors, as we know, this, you know, it's an ever-changing um, market. Uh, however, there, everybody has a favorite here and there. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a great thing to be able to go and say, hey, well, look, there it is. That's, oh, my you know, my goodness, look at, what, look at what this has in it, you know. So be it good or be it alarming, I think that it's important to have the data out there. Um, and, yeah, we're a distributor. Uh, we're also a manufacturer, obviously, of our own stuff. But, uh, you know, we went through this whole process ourselves a little bit over a year ago uh, where we we decided to, you know, to really be rigorous about our testing and, um Try to be consistent as far as uh, being um, diacetyl and acetylpropanol free, um, and and we we did it. Uh, it was a very difficult change. It was a, 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 quite a restructuring. We lost, uh, you know, a, a good portion of our flavor palette when we did so. Um, we had to reformulate a bunch of other flavors, but all in all, in the end, it's what we wanted to do. What we thought uh, was ethically right to do. Um, and that's it. That's why we did it. And then that's why we've done it now. So here, here's an interesting thing about this is that I saw, or, or someone actually poked me and said, Hey, look at this. Um, just a couple of days ago, I saw that you had this testing, these testing results up on your website. And I said, wow, I'm really, right. I wonder, you know, I'm surprised I haven't seen that before. They, they, they must've just done it this week. When did you? When no, did you? No. When did you do it? Uh, a little over a month ago, I said. So the, forty or so days ago, forty. So these these results have been up on your website for over a month. Absolutely. Yeah. And did you promote that? Did you did you tell people about that? Did you tell your cousin? I mean, I, I would assume if you did, that people would have known about it long before I found it. No, well, you know, it's, uh, we didn't, uh, it's been, you know, and I guess more of an afterthought as we 
seen, we started seeing comments trickle in. Hey, you know, when did you guys do this? Uh, and really didn't start seeing it till just, you know, a week and a half, two weeks ago. Um, so, you know, and then we thought, well, should we have uh, done a press release or something stating where we, but we decided not to do that. We just wanted to do it on our own. There's no need to, to you know, or, or we didn't see a, a need to be vocal about it at, at that time. Uh, we just wanted to, to, to do it. Um, and hey, listen, you know, we're, we're as curious as everybody else. You know, everybody, you know, we've got uh, about 60, a little more than 60 employees in our uh, work, working with us at, at our office. And, and we're all vaporing. We're all, we're all vapors. We're all we're all vaping all day. Um, so you know we're uh, just as much a consumer as the next person, and um, even for our own uh, knowledge, it's something we wanted to do. So yeah, we we weren't very very vocal about it at all, and and it was um, you know it was just something we wanted to do. That's it. I think it's important to get that piece of information out there because there's been you know people like to say stuff on the internet as as we've all seen people 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 have said well look at this you know their their liquids are all clean and then they post all these other liquids that have uh, you know wacky numbers and everything and uh you know this is just a marketing ploy and you know as as marketing goes you generally don't this is generally not the way to go about marketing you do not spend tens of thousands of dollars and god knows how many man hours on your on your guys end on top of that to do something and then don't tell anybody about it. If you're gonna if you're gonna do marketing, you spend the money and then you market. You guys spent the money, you put it on your website and didn't tell anybody. Uh, so if that, it, you know, for anybody who still thinks that this is some sort of a marketing ploy, uh, I've got a bridge to sell you. Yeah, we do too. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, no, we, you know, we're we're definitely good at at marketing when we want to be, um, and this is not at all. Yeah, you got. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, like, you got you guys are not shy about marketing at all, and the, 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 and there's no shame in that. I mean, sure. you know, who doesn't know that there is, a, you know, a, a vapor shark, you know, D, uh, what is it, a DNA two hundred? Everybody knows that's coming up because you guys pump it as you should. Right. You got something new. You want people to know about it. This is something you did as a service to your customers and didn't tell anybody and. That's fine too. Right. Um, I understand why. Now, um, so did you contact your e-liquid, uh, the e-liquid manufacturers that are that you sell? Did you did you contact them before you did this or before you published the results, or you, you just went and did it? Russ, we we just went and did it. We didn't we didn't ask. Uh, uh, and look again, if you're in this industry, I think that. It's fair to say that uh, you know move and again, keeping in mind longevity, keeping in mind uh, you know that we don't want to be I don't think anybody that's seriously in this game wants to be a fly by night company or um, have something you know that that something to hide or, or purposely drop skeletons in their closet. I think that um, you know, if you're in this industry, you're automatically exposing yourself to, um, you know, what's going to happen um, if these things are, are if the problem and and whatever else uh, may be in, in the e-liquids um, are tested uh, for it. And going back to the whole, you know, we need to mature as an industry 
um, uh, it was, uh, you know, we felt, again, we wanted to do it for our own, you know, knowledge. But let's, I think it's fair to say that if it was not us, it was going to be someone at some point that was going to do something similar, um, you know. And, you know, uh, yeah, we just, again, we wanted to do it. We didn't really thought, think that, well, we need to go ahead and ask for permission. I mean, it's, yeah. it's out there. So, you know, and the liquids are out there. So, so these are, I mean, these are companies, obviously, <clears throat> you know, businesses, relationships. So these, you're talking about dozens of companies here. <laughs> who have relationships for various times, maybe some months, maybe some years. And, uh, you know, some of the, you know, I would think actually most of them were probably pleased with what you did because, you know, let's not let this get lost in the story. Most of the liquids that you guys tested, tested just fine that came up with either no diacetyl or acetylpropanol or, or only trace amounts that, you know, nobody's really worrying about. However, there were some results that were posted that, were, in my opinion, I, I'm not asking you to characterize uh, any particular company or any particular result, but I, my own personal opinion, and we'll hear from Dr. Farsalinos in, in just a few moments, uh, that, in my opinion, we're off the wall and reckless and unsafe. That's my opinion. Anyway, um, r- regardless of what you think of those numbers, uh, you must appreciate that those numbers have not been published anywhere before. No no e-liquid that tested that has tested near... 2,000 parts per million of that, that has tested near 2,000 parts per million of acetylpropanol. Nobody has ever published that before. So along with those customers, along with those companies that you sell that were probably happy that their juices were, were tested unbeknownst to them and came out very, very nicely. I'm sure you have some angry um, customers and not, and not uh, consumers, but the e-liquid manufacturers uh, without going into detail as to specific companies. I mean, has your phone been ringing? I mean, are are, are people how pissed are people? <laughs> there, we've received a, a little bit of backlash. Um, more, more than anything, it's just like you said, it's been hey, you know what? That's great that you guys did this. You know, thanks for doing this. Um, and believe it or not, Russ, we got a lot of hey, you know what? Um, just want you to know. We are working towards reformula, uh, you know, uh, you know, redoing our formulas. Uh, you know, we're 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 working to to correct this issue. Just wanted to let you know. Um, we we've, we've even gotten a few telling us, hey, listen, we're in the middle of correcting this. The minute that we get it reformulated, we're sending you new samples. Um, you know, we'll go halves with you. Uh, let's get this thing tested. Um, you know, so we've even gotten some of those. Uh, so at the end of the day, uh, I think that. Um, you know, unbeknownst to us, uh, when we initiated this entire thing, um, it's it's been a, a wave of positivity rather than negativity surrounding the entire issue. Hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, at least that's the way we try to look at it. Well, you know, because you, it's you, at the end of the day going to be advantageous to all of us. Okay, well, you know, um, that's good. I'm glad to hear it. I actually took it a took the liberty of calling some of the. Uh, e-liquid manufacturers that uh, that had very high numbers that I noticed, and uh, I won't I, I won't right. I won't make you comment on them, but I, I called them and I recorded the calls, and I'll play them on the air tonight. And um, I don't I don't know I think it was interesting, cool. uh, but we'll we'll do that a little later when yeah, yeah. after our interview. Um, yeah. we, we do have a uh, if you have uh, questions or comments, please do call in. The number is three four seven three zero eight eight three two nine. When you hear uh, Mike and I talking, then push one just to let us know 
that you want to chat. We have a call in the 310 area code. Caller in 310, you're on the air. Hey, this is uh, Doug, and I'm one of the owners of Boilermaker. How's it going, Russ? First time caller. Hey, how you doing, Doug? Welcome to the show. Can you hear me? How you doing, Doug? Yeah, we can hear you just fine, Mike, Doug. Congratulations, yep. man. I, you, you know, I just the comment I wanted to make was I thought it was a great thing uh, the Vapor Shark did. I think this thing's been a long time coming in this industry. Uh, these guys had, you know, they, they had the courage to do it first. Uh, knowing that there would probably be some backlash once the word really got out there. And uh, I just wanted to commend you for doing it, man. I thought it was a great move. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate that, Doug. And I know you guys do a fantastic job. And, and uh, Russ, uh, Doug is a great guy. <laughs> That's all I got to say, man. Okay. Fantastic. Mike so and I, Mike and I got this. We, we, we got some, we, we had an opportunity to spend some time together. Um, and, you know, this guy's a paper shark top-notch guys and uh yeah i just wanted to call with that comment so thanks for doing what you're doing man hey well thanks for that and thanks for calling in doug i appreciate that yeah thanks a lot there he goes everybody doug from boilermaker uh we got a call from uh the 860 area code 860 you are jamie hey what's up jamie uh, I just wanted to thank Vapor Shark for uh, what they did. When I when I stumbled across your post, I uh, I almost lost my mind. I was so happy to see it. <laughs> um, you know, I'm a shop owner, and I try to keep my lines that I stock as clean as possible, and that's challenging sometimes. So it's really great to have a a place to go and look and see. You know, this is <laughs> this is what this has in it, and I don't have to fight vendors who sometimes are weary to send results or might not even have them and um i i'm just i'm just thank you guys it's a it's a great service you've done to everyone um both your customers and uh, other people in the industry so thank you for that well jamie thanks a lot appreciate that you know, and keep up the good work you know jamie you you know you just made me think of something that i wasn't you know i've been just thinking about this because i'm a consumer uh and just thinking to me even if i'm not going to buy a liquid from the Vapor Shark website, just to be able to go and say, "Hey, I sometimes buy that stuff. Let me check it out." You, as a shop owner, even though you also might not be ordering <clears throat> from Vapor Shark, you might be considering a company, and maybe that company doesn't publish their results. But hey, look, I, I now as a as a business owner, as a brick and mortar uh, operator, I can go, I can go on the Vapor Shark website, and I can see lab data. That's that's useful to to other businesses as well, even if you're not doing business specifically with Vapor Shark. So uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I do do some wholesale from Vapor Shark occasionally uh, for for hardware. But um, yeah, it's uh, great to have that there. So thank you guys. Uh, I was really uh, debating sending cupcakes over to your office, but uh, there aren't really that many great <laughs> cupcake shops in uh, southern southern Florida that would deliver. So. <laughs> All right, I appreciate that, man. And I just uh, appreciate the thought. Word up. Yeah, no problem. Have a great night. There he goes, Jamie New England Vaping. Thanks for calling in. So one thought that I, well, first of all, you know, you guys had put this, you put this, these results out there and you said, you know, there's like a little footnote, you know, before you even click on the results to say, you know, the, uh, 
I think it says these results, uh, the, this liquid has been tested. I don't know the exact words, but the, the, it says one of two things. It says either these liquids, uh, this liquid has been tested and there's been no traces of diacetyl or acetylpropanol detected, yeah. or it, there, there has been some detected. And then you can click on the report to see the actual full results. Now, well, uh, go ahead. Well, there's, yeah. No, there, there, there is a little tab on there. It says e-liquid analysis report uh, certified by Enthalpy Analytical to have, uh, and then, and then you, yeah, you just click on that and it gives you the full uh, actual report from right. Enthalpy Analytical. So th that you put that up, but what what isn't what doesn't appear? It, it, well, maybe it does, and I just haven't seen it. Um, what I'm not aware of appearing on the Vapor Shark website is any kind of corporate statement that Vapor Shark has on these chemicals. I mean, obviously, it's well, it's more than obvious that you think that your customers should have access to this data. But do you, or does Vapor sure. Shark as a company? have a, a statement on what you think of these chemicals. Uh, do you think that they are potential risks? Do you think they're potential health hazards? What 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 is your corporate philosophy or statement about diacetyl and acetylpropanol? Well, I think we need to stand behind science and let science be the meter on, on that issue, per se. Um, and, you know, we strongly believe in science. Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot more work that needs to be done. Um, and to really determine what, uh, I mean, I know that we have guidelines right now, but you know, we, we need to really just be clear on on what it is that we're, uh, you know, placing in our, in our systems. So as far as a, a company statement, we don't really have a company statement. You know, I mean, Again, you know, this is part of the reason we didn't release anything or any information on this is, is uh, we just did it for a purely educational uh, thing, uh, as, a, as an educational basis. Um, but that we ourselves feel that it's important to to be as clean as possible in, in, in our products, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think again, as we move forward, there's going to be uh, more and more people that that should be um, looking at this uh, more so for for reasons of, uh, as we all know, uh, we have uh, you know the FDA just kind of looming over us and 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 waiting to 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 do something. Um, with deeming regulations and, and everything else that's that's in play, um, you know, don't have enough good science yet. Dr. Farshalinus has done some amazing work, um, along with uh, a lot of uh, others out there, um, and, and we just feel that that we need to continue um, and stay on the heels of the science to really have good data. Yeah. To give people. I think it's fairly clear that that we all know that that there are dangers anytime you put anything in your body, um, and and this is no different. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we want to make sure that we're putting out the cleanest liquids possible. So, let's. Uh, you, you mentioned the FDA, and um, Brandon had mentioned to me that uh, Vapor Shark recently did visit the FDA along with uh, around ten other business owners and you guys you guys had a meeting what was that can you tell us a little more about that 
Sure. Uh, um, yeah, uh, actually, Doug, who just called in a little bit ago uh, from Boilermaker, was, was one of the guys that was there with us. Um, uh, you know, we really want to uh, – this is a separate issue. This is this, – this is, uh, uh, we feel in order to get to this issue that we're talking about right now, tonight, um, we need to first uh, move past um, – what's hindering us from really looking at, at, at the real issues, uh, harm reduction, uh, long-term effects, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and the issue that's been kind of, you know, hindering uh, any real uh, focus on, on, on the scientific issues, um, you know, is, was a marketing issue or is a marketing issue. And so, so the meeting was more than anything um, focused uh, along the lines of marketing um, and, um, what we can do as an industry to show, uh, to demonstrate that we're not a bunch of kids kicking cans around and just kind of, you know, we're, we're really trying to do our best to be responsible and to make sure that our product is ending up um, in the right hands, uh, you know, in adult hands. Um, and, and that's mostly what the uh, meeting was about. Mm-hmm. Um, we... There's there's a website out there um, called vapefreeyouth.com. Yes. Um, and what what we all did is uh, you know we we set up uh, some uh, statement of principles uh, that um, we all came up with together. Uh, it's it's nothing. Um, I, I would have to read them to your, or you can actually go onto vapeforyouth.com and, and, and see all this that I'm talking about. Um, and I encourage uh, any shop owners or, or manufacturers or uh, you know everybody that, that that's in this industry to go there um, to read these statements. Um, you know they are what they are, um, and obviously it's a beginning. It's not uh, the end all be all. This is a stepping stone. It's a launching point. It's something that we wanted to come together as responsible manufacturers in the industry and try to get a collective voice out there and say, hey, listen, we hear uh, you guys. We're actually on the same page with these guys. You know, we don't want our product ending up in kids' hands. We want we want to have a, a lasting, uh, you know, uh, a, a great you know, um, run in, in, in this market. This is an industry that's it's fledgling. It's, it's something that we need to, from now, kind of, you know, let's jump on this bull and let's, let's, let's make it work for us. Let's, let's make it something that we're all proud of um, and that we can just, you know, move into the future with it. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of... Uh, stuff that was going on out there that still is, you know, in some cases that, um, that, that is just kind of being detrimental to the industry, especially with the FDA looming over us. Um, listen, uh, how many times has Mitch Zeller gone uh, to Congress and gotten beaten up, beaten up over, uh, us as an industry, mm-hmm. you know, appearing to market to children, uh, you know, and, and, Maybe uh, they're not trying to, but that's exactly what it appears as, right? Mm-hmm. So we need to take uh, responsibility and just try to make it right. Last question for you, Mike, and then I'll let you go. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me tonight. Um, obviously, sure. it, it seems like 
your stance is obviously we 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 know what these chemicals are. We recognize that they are uh, potential risks, that they are avoidable risks, and you have proved that they are avoidable risks by cleaning it out of your entire line. Yet you do have these flavors, yes. some of which, the minority, but some of which you are selling from other sure. e-liquid manufacturers that do have numbers that have really never been seen before, uh, 1,000, 1,500, uh, almost 2,000 parts per million of acetylpropanol, which, um, you know, don't take my word for it because I don't know anything, but you'll listen to what Dr. Farsalinos has to say in a second. That's not safe. That's not good. Uh, whether or not you share his opinion, I don't know, but the question is, you know these liquids are there. You know you're selling them. Has there been discussion of removing those really high testing liquids from your product offering? There has been discussion. Um, however, look, we, we, you know, when we began carrying these lines, we're just as much in the dark as anyone else about, uh, you know, the levels of these, these, these compounds in there. Um, but, and now that we've got, you know, uh, now we've got these numbers, um, it's something that we are, discussing um, with these manufacturers um, at least to an extent uh, you know and and uh, like I said and, and like you said earlier you know listen you're not going to make everybody happy all the time it's impossible and that's not our job our job is to just be clear um, and it's upon you know, these these manufacturers to really make a difference uh, in what they're doing so um, whether or not we're going to continue to carry these is is not something that that we've really completely discussed uh, uh, or come to a determination on. I think more so is let's let's let uh, everyone let the dust settle. Uh, again, yeah. we did this in a very quiet manner. Uh, you know, it's not something that we wanted to to make a fuss about, but it's it's it, it you know gained its own traction and now that it is it's 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 out. Uh, I guess. You know, we're, we are getting more and more phone calls from uh, uh, manufacturers, mm -hmm. and um, look, you know, let's let's give everybody the opportunity to to you know do their best to clean up um, or make changes, and and we'll see what happens. Mike, we'll I really want to I really want to thank you for taking the time to uh, to talk to me and talk to the audience about uh, what you Vapor Shark has done as a company. I think um, I think every consumer is really happy that you've done this. I think a lot of manufacturers are also really happy and maybe a few not so happy, but hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Either way, um, right. I, I think the consumers can universally, uh, I, I, can, I can speak universally for the consumers, for simply putting the information out there so that we can make choices based on data and science. Um, th there's nothing better. And I thank you. I thank Vapor Shark for that. And I thank you for your time tonight, sir. Thank you very much. I agree. Thank you very much. All, All right. right, Russ. Bye-bye. There he goes, everybody. Mike Hernandez from Vapor Shark. Nice guy. I like him. Okay, so um, like I said, uh, I took it upon myself. I said, let me call some of these companies. You know, because, I, I, again, I just clicked through some pages and found some what I consider to be crazy, dangerous numbers. Um. And I just figured, well, why don't I call them and see what they have to say? So now, now to be fair, I called a lot of companies that didn't return my phone calls. Or I called and I would speak to the receptionist and leave my number and the company didn't call me back. So 
there's that, and they're almost getting off easy here. So, hmm, should I even do this? Well, yeah, what the fuck? Well, I think about something too much. So here's some phone calls that I made to some uh, to, to some companies. So uh, I think uh, Vintage Vintage had one of the highest out there. Well, all of these are high. All of these all, all of these companies, I, I believe, are, are well over or right around a thousand. They're eight hundred and up for sure. And eight hundred is a number I never saw before. I never saw a thousand. I never saw fifteen hundred. I never saw eighteen. I never saw any of these numbers before. So let's hear what they had to say. Thank you for calling Vintage E-Liquids. If you know your party's extension, you may enter it at any time. Vintage E-Liquids, this is Ian. Hey, Ian, how you doing? Um, my name is Russ, and I saw I saw something on on the Internet about Vintage E-Liquids having some of the, the flavors having extremely high levels of acetylpropanol, and I was wondering who I could talk to about that. You can talk to me about that. Okay. Um, I saw on Vapor Shark they tested a lot of e-liquids, and one of them, or, or actually they tested all of your e-liquids, and two of them came back, or three of them came back actually with either uh, diacetyl, acetylpropanol, or both. One of them in particular, the Drifter, was like almost two th almost two thousand parts per million, which is as high as I've ever seen. Um, what's up with that? So what has what is going on is when Vapor Shark decided to start doing the testing, um, they, they you know they've been they've been working on this for a while. Um, it's been the the juice that they had tested from us um, is the mix that we were using about three and a half months ago. Um, since then, we have reformulated all of the flavors, including the ones that didn't have anything in them to begin with, um, and everything has been recently tested within the past two and a half, three weeks, um, and everything has come back with nothing. So the results that they're showing on there are correct, but not for the juice that we're currently making. I understand that, but even three and a half months ago, I mean, these chemicals being potential dangers, that's not news to come out in the last three months. That's news that came out three years ago. How could you, why, why were you making this liquid with off the charts numbers three and a half months ago? Well, you also have to understand that the manufacturers, you know, when, when we spend lots and lots and lots of money with our, you know, suppliers for the juice and we're insured that there's no anything in them and then we hear this news, you know, we have people that we have to go talk to to find out the deal what the deal is also. You know, this uh the the the, the companies that supply these flavorings are doing, you know, doing us and you guys an injustice by telling us that there is nothing in them when in fact there is. I understand that, but that's that's also not a new issue. People have known for well over a year, maybe two years, that the flavor compounders and the flavor manufacturers uh, can't be trusted with it. So why three and a half months ago, when you were making this liquid with off-the-charts numbers, why didn't you test it yourself? Uh, that's an answer I don't have for you at the moment. Who would? Uh, he's not available right now. What's his name? His name is Rob. Can I have his voicemail? Excuse me? Can I have his voicemail? Well, you can send an email to info at Vintage Liquids and address it to him if you'd like to. I, I could do that, but seeing as I'm on, I'm on the phone with you right now, wouldn't it be easier for you to just transfer me to his voicemail? 
Uh, unfortunately, I can't send you over to his phone number. The desk line doesn't work, and I can't give out his cell phone number. Okay. Can you just send me to the operator, and she can patch me through to his uh, voicemail? Um, I, 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 I can't. There's no desk line for you to call him at, and all he has is a cell phone, which I can't give out. So if okay. you'd like to send an email, he'll be, he'll be able to get back to you that way. Great. What's the email address? It's info at vintageliquids.com. All right. Thanks for your help, Ian. Not a problem. Okay. So that was the first one. This one, this one I almost felt, I felt bad at this one. Uh, I think this is the one where the... <laughs> this one's a little funny. This is a traditional juice company. It's Connor. Hey, Connor. How you doing? My name's Russ. Um, I was on the Vapor Shark website, and I saw, you know, they, they distribute your liquid, obviously. And yep. I, I saw that, you know, the Indian giver that you guys are selling had close to 1,500 parts per million of acetylpropanol, which is one of the highest numbers I've ever seen. Um, yeah, we they posted our – we're handling that right now. They posted our old – um, Indian giver, we actually revamped the Indian giver and it had zero. When did you revamp it? Probably like a month or two ago. Okay, I, I mean, uh, the batches that have been that's the batches that have been selling are clean. I understand that, but I mean, the dangers, the potential dangers of diacetyl and acetylpropanol. Uh, they didn't come to light a month ago. They came to light like three years ago. Why were you still making liquid with off the charts numbers a month ago? I didn't. I didn't have the uh, knowledge that the flavorings that I was using had that in there. Well, why didn't you just test it? I, honestly, I didn't. I didn't have the money to test it. You you know that you, you know a test cost one hundred and twenty dollars, right? No, where we're recent, it's five hundred dollars a skew. Okay, so you've got what four or five flavors that the, you don't have that. That's not worth it to make sure. I no, mean, it's definitely worth it. I mean, I just I find it hard to believe that. I mean, unless you don't, you know, unless you're just not concerned about this issue that you couldn't spend two thousand well, dollars. If I wasn't, if I wasn't considered about the issue, I wouldn't have changed anything. Right. Okay. Well, that's good. Hopefully they'll put up uh, new numbers from your new product, but it's still, I don't know, really concerning to me that you told me you're making the stuff a month ago. Uh, I mean, this is not a new, this, this is something that everybody's known about for a long time, and I don't know, not having the, I mean, if you don't have the money to test, maybe you shouldn't sell it. I don't know. It, it, it seems like an odd response, to be honest with you. Okay, well, I apologize. Don't apologize where, to me. Where, where, what do you? Who do you work for? What do you do? I'm not. I'm not in the business. I'm just the consumer. I'm in. I'm an electronic cigarette consumer. I'm not in the business at okay. all. Okay. But uh, thanks for your well, honesty. Yeah, of course. I. I uh, yeah, I apologize for uh, not doing it sooner. Um, just with a startup company, it's it's hard to get every all your ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. So now all the ducks are in a row. So. Okay. Well, glad to hear it, Connor. All right. You have a good day. You too. I almost, I almost felt bad for that guy. He's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Alpha Vape. 
Hello. Hi, this is Russ. I had some questions about uh, Alpha Vape eLiquid. I was on the Vapor Shark site, and I wanted—I I saw some lab test results, and I was wondering who I could talk to about that. Yeah, you could talk to me about that. What's going on? Uh, not too much. My name's Russ. Uh, who am I speaking with? Uh, this is Sam. Tad? Uh, Sam. Cam, okay. Hey, thanks for taking my call. So, yeah, like I said, I was on the um, VaporShark website, and they have all these test results for all the liquids they carry, and I noticed that one of your flavors, uh, Sweet Tooth, uh, tested at over 800 parts per million for acetylpropanol, and I was just calling to ask if that's true. Uh, we, we don't have any uh, of our own test results for the juice, I don't believe. Um so yeah, well, I mean, whatever whatever is on Vapor Shark is, is probably an accurate accurate test result. Uh, and I'm I'm really sorry the connection's not great. So I missed the very first thing that you said. Um, you said you you do. I, I, I'm sorry the connection just wasn't great. Uh, is is it a correct number or is it not a correct number? I'm sorry about the connection. Uh, I'm not positive. I would have to uh, have to get with my boss on that and find out at what they uh, what the deal is with that. But I'm assuming yes, it's it's correct well i guess um compared you know that they put out these results and it was over 800 parts per million of acetylpropanol what did your own internal testing show for that liquid we got it got disconnected so i called back Hey, Cam, hopefully you can hear me a little bit better now. This is Russ again. Is this connected? Yeah, there you go. Oh, great, great. All right, great. So, um, yeah, I, what I was asking was VaporShark put out this lab test result that showed over 800 parts per million of acetylpropanol, and I was just wondering how that compares to what you guys tested your liquid for yourself. Um, the, 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 we haven't received our updated test results yet, so we're not sure if that's accurate or not, but... Uh... Well, in the past, I, I haven't been able to. In the past, when you've tested the liquid, what did it? What did it test up? Um, it was. It was not that. Um, but but it's and you've changed it as the as the uh, flavoring companies have been changing, uh, making alternatives. We've been adjusting with that. Okay. When do you expect to have new no, results? Yeah, we don't have any. Yeah. When do you? Uh, uh, when do you, not when, sure. We're 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 still we're still waiting on them. I'm not. I'm not positive. Okay. I just know that they've been resubmitted. Sounds good. All right. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. No problem, man. Have a good have a good one. All right, bye. Well, I think you I, I got I got more, but uh I, I think you guys get the get the point. You make your own decisions. This is uh more or less the type of response I got from every company. Um do you believe them? So, let's move on to my interview with Dr. Farsalinos. Uh, it is, uh, I think, five something in the morning over there. So, uh, this was taped uh, just uh, an hour or so before the show. Um, so, please welcome Dr. Farsalinos back to the show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome Dr. Constantinos Farsalinos Back to the show again. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you would, Dr. Farsalinos, Dr. Farsalinos, please just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and the research that you have done uh, on vaping. 
Uh, hello, Russ. Thank you again for inviting me to your show. Uh, it's always a pleasure discussing with you. Uh, I've been involved in e-cigarette research since late, late 2011, and I have uh, published basically more than 30 papers in peer-reviewed medical journals, plus some additional presentations in medical conferences all over the world about e-cigarettes. Basically, our team, I would say, together with uh, Ricardo Poloza's team in Italy, are the two most uh, uh, experienced research teams on e-cigarettes. Uh, so basically, that's it in, in a few words. I mean, most of your uh, audience probably knowing uh, my my studies and they're f following my studies. Um, hopefully, the whole vaping community is looking and is getting more information about vaping. So and we hope we contribute a significant uh, part of this knowledge. Oh, well, you certainly are, and thank you, thank you again for joining us. So, I I think there's this issue keeps coming up. Unfortunately, the attention span uh, of social media, which is how most of the stuff is talked about, is is short. So, this comes up, and a lot of people learn about it, and that's good. And then it kind of goes away for a while, and then it comes back again. This this time, it's I think uh, very significant because it's the first time that I've ever seen a distributor. I've seen e-liquid manufacturers who have taken the time to test their liquids and post results, but I've never seen a distributor where they sell uh, dozens and dozens of, of different lines of, uh, of e-liquid actually post third-party test results to all of them. So this is, this is new, and uh, what's also new is the numbers that we're seeing, or at least that's new to me or new to the general public, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Before we get to that, I want to talk about in just in layman's terms, because the number one question that I see from these new people who have never been aware of the issue uh, or the potential uh, health issues with uh, diacetyl or acetylpropanol is that they don't even know what these chemicals are. So let's start there. What is diacetyl and what is acetylpropanol? Okay. Uh, diacetyl and acetylpropanol are two compounds which are naturally occurring compounds, of course. Uh, they are present in various food products and they are also added by the food industry in, in food products to, to, to give a special creamy, buttery flavor uh, to several you know, food products prepared by the industry. So uh, these are chemicals which have been uh, proven to be safe when ingested, but uh, since 2000 uh, and coming from um, observations in, in uh, food factories, basically factories using these chemicals as additives uh, as adi uh, adding flavorings to, to, to food. Um, there were some observations of some cases of bronchiolitis obliterans, and, uh, which generated a lot of concern because, because it's a very rare disease. Uh, and subsequently, there was a, a very intense uh, work done by NIOS in the US in various food factories. And the most worrying thing was not really bronchiolitis obliterans, which is, as I said, very rare. And we have few cases, but uh, the finding that uh, among uh, those uh, workers uh, being exposed to diacetyl uh, through inhalation, the, the NIOS observed a tenfold risk, uh, elevated risk of developing lung disease, lung dysfunction, uh, or decreased lung function compared to the general population. Uh, and that generated a lot of concern. Uh, and uh, 
basically, although many people know the, the, the term bronchiolitis is obliterance and think that this is based reason of concern, the reason for concern is that they observed even among non-smokers, because I've heard a lot of people saying that no, all these observations were in smokers, no, basically they found a much higher risk among non-smokers, um, developing decreased lung function, uh, which was defined through a spirometry measurement, uh, significant decreased lung, decrease in lung function compared to the general population. So as you understand, uh, a tenfold elevation in the risk is, is quite high. Uh, it's not something you can just ignore. So basically that was the evidence showing that diastole and acetylpropionyl uh, are a reason for concern. Subsequently, there were some um, animal studies and cell studies showing that there is something very wrong with these chemicals when they are uh, when the respiratory uh, epithelium is exposed to them um, and that's the evidence we have so now I, I need to clarify something there are a lot of people who say that it's not being proven that diastole causes harm and when they say that obviously they mean that we we haven't uh, uh, randomized two group of uh, people one to be exposed daily to diacetyl and acetylpropylene and the other not to be exposed and compare what will happen after a few years. Basically, this will never happen because it's unethical to happen and because even if you find some crazy people who are willing to, be, to do that, no one is going to give you um, approval to do that. Understood. Um, so, and, and the term that... And some people... And the, yeah. and, and the term that you're using, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing it right, uh, bronchiolitis obliteranus, that is Bron bronchiolitis obliterance. Thank you. That is commonly what we see uh, in, in lieu of that posted is popcorn lung. And yes, like, and like yes. you and like like you said, many people point out, well, we've never seen anybody. Well, how come no vapors have been diagnosed with popcorn lung? How come there's no studies? Well, as, as I said, this is not the major uh, reason for concern. First of all, even the popcorn lung disease is a, is a disease which is very difficult to diagnose. Uh, uh, it, it literally needs a lung biopsy to be able to make the diagnosis. Otherwise, clinically, it's very similar to a common chronic obstructive lung disease, as we see in smokers uh, all over the world. So, uh, first of all, there are some misdiagnoses. Second of all, uh, the clinical picture looks a lot like uh, COPD. Uh, and uh, don't forget that uh, when we're talking about diastole exposure, we're talking about daily exposure, and we know that something that is protective with 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 these cigarettes is that, is that a lot of vapors change their uh, liquid uh, the liquid they use even uh, within the same day, so they don't vape the same liquid all day or all the time. For those who are daily using some specific liquids that contain diastole, I would be very, very much concerned, uh, depending, of course, on the levels present in the liquid, because we shouldn't forget the basic principle in toxicology that it is the amount of a chemical that defines the risk, and not just the presence of the chemical. Right. Uh, so NIOS developed some guidelines on the safety levels, uh, Relative safety, okay. They, they accept uh, less than one in 1,000 cases. Um, 
So, uh, based on these levels, we, we, we proposed uh, some limits last year, but I must clarify because I always uh, receive questions asking about what would be the acceptable limits of the acetylene First of all, I would say that there should be no acceptable levels. Uh, in other words, you think in other words, in other words, in other words, the acceptable level is zero. It should be zero, for a simple reason. Why? Uh, because it is uh, an added chemical, and especially when you see cases of 500 ppm or 1000 ppm, this is not a contamination. This is intentionally adding the chemical to the liquid which means that someone is intentionally adding a harmful ingredient to the liquid. And I don't find a way of accepting that. I can accept that some people may want to ignore the risk and use diastole-containing liquids because they like the flavor. And I must admit that diastole-containing liquids, those sweet flavors which contain diastole-acetylpropanil, will probably taste much better than a similar a similarly flavored liquid without these two compounds. But in this case, and unlike smoking, because a lot of people are asking me about the comparison with smoking, you know, in smoking, it's not an added ingredient. It is, in the case of the e-cigarette, it is an added ingredient in the cases where you see the bigger high numbers. It's not a problem of contamination because you may have very few uh, PPMs in a liquid, which may come from contamination of other type of chemicals. And this is something, of course, you should look uh, look after that and take care of that. But at least it's not a deliberate addition uh, of, of the chemical into the liquid. But when you see 500 or 1000 PPMs, uh, it means that someone is adding, is knowingly adding the chemical uh, into the flavoring. And this is something that cannot be accepted because it's, it's like someone introducing uh, deliberately a risk factor into the liquid. And I think so I don't see a reason why someone should accept that. I understand. From the producer's point of view. Sure. And, and, and I think we can, we don't really have to look any further than several of the e-liquid companies who not only have chosen to avoid these chemicals outright, but who have chosen to pursue making creamy and buttery flavors that taste good, that don't use the chemicals. So we know that it's possible because we know people are doing it. It just takes the effort and the knowledge. Uh, so it, it can be done and it's not theoretical. It has been done. It is being done. These liquids are being sold that are uh, free of these chemicals. So it, it can be done. So it should be done because Simply, these chemicals are additives and they are avoidable risks. Exactly. And that's the main reason why we shouldn't just compare it with smoking. I mean, I can reply by saying that if you vape urine, you will probably be at less risk than smoking. doesn't mean that you are going to vape urine. I mean, it's, it's, it, that's the case. I mean, you are using something that you intentionally add. When you are intentionally adding a compound uh, that is considered uh, prob uh, problematic, 
in terms of health effects when you inhale it, then this is something that will probably be illegal at the end. Because right now, don't forget that there is no regulation. I was really happy to see, and that's how the, um, the, our research has, has been used by the regulators. You should know that in the European Union, we are currently in the process of implementing the regulation that was decided last year. And one of the tests that are required in order to get approval for your liquids to be sold in the European market is to analyze the vapor for diastole and acetylpropionyl. And this came just from our study. And we are happy that we have contributed to such a level that the regulators uh, are using basically our study in order to have a diastole and acetylpropionyl free, basically, uh, e-cigarette market in the European Union. And it's a big step forward uh, and I think that this is how the research should be evaluated by the regulators, uh, producing uh, reasonable, proportionate, and cost-effective uh, regulations, because I think that the analysis of acetylpropylene and diastole is certainly cost-effective. I understand why you keep saying that this isn't something that should be uh, compared to smoking, because in a cigarette, the, 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 the cigarette manufacturers... The tobacco companies, they are not adding diacetyl to a cigarette. It, it, it is a natural process. It, it's a natural result of the process of, of making and curing tobacco and everything yeah. like that. Basically, so, but, the smoke, yeah. uh, the levels of diacetyl of the, from the smoke, only about 2 or 3% is coming from any addition, and the rest, 97 to 98%, is coming from the combustion, which is something you cannot avoid. You know, so, We are also discussing in e-cigarettes about aldehydes, but aldehydes is something that you cannot avoid in e-cigarettes, like formaldehyde, for example, because there is some heating that you need to heat the liquid in order to evaporate it. So it's an a non-avoidable risk. We can find ways by controlling the temperature and so on to, uh, to reduce the exposure. But at the end, it is something that you must accept. You must accept some level of um, potential harm from aldehydes because this is how the e-cigarettes work. In this case, they're not coming from the way that the e-cigarette works or from the evaporation of the liquid. That's what I want to clarify. And that's what, why we are much more strict on our approach towards the diastole and acetylpropanol issue than um, com compared to our approach to the aldehydes issue, like formaldehyde. Now, I, I understand that. I, I think part of the problem with some of the, and, and the confusion with this issue is that most vapors, the vast majority, they used to be smokers, so they come to vaping as a, as a safer alternative. So their mindset is, well, okay, it might have these chemicals in it, and uh, sure, maybe they can be avoided, but it still has to be safer than smoking. What's wrong with thinking about it this way? Uh, smoking is a very bad comparator, you know. It's very hard to find anything else which is as, uh, causing as much harm as smoking. So you are starting at a very, very low level of, of comparison. Second of all, uh, I'm almost certain that no one will go back to smoking if they switch from a diastole containing sweet flavor to a non-containing uh, uh, sweet flavor. Uh, therefore, uh, you may have to do some compromise in terms of, 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 of the taste that you get from the liquid. Perhaps, as I said, the diastole containing liquid is much more tasteful than uh, a diastole-free liquid. But I think that it's a compromise which is worth doing. 
I think it will not considerably change your vaping habit. But again, I'm not here to uh, implement my decision, my, my opinion to anyone. Uh, everyone is uh, controlling himself and is responsible for himself uh, and herself. So I'm just giving a recommendation, basically. I'm not saying that uh, I'm not forcing anyone to do anything. But what I believe is that the vapors should be properly informed. And unfortunately, I must say, the manufacturers are not always a good source of information. And I don't think that, you know, if you break your leg, you wouldn't go to a cardiologist to, to fix your leg. Uh, in the same way, when we're talking about health risks, I don't think that the manufacturers are a good source of information. Unless, of course, they should provide some information, but this information should be based on evidence and should be based on what experts are saying. So uh, even for ourselves, we're not saying that we know everything. For example, we haven't specifically tested what's happening when someone inhales through any cigarette, diastyl or acetylpropionyl. But uh, I'm not going to be able ever to test that because I will never be, uh, no one will ever accept giving me permission to test uh, a few vapors uh, using diastyl and some others not using it and check uh, what are the long-term effects. So I'm, this is something that we will never see. I understand. And uh, I, I would be really uh, uh, concerned uh, if we start seeing problems coming from e-cigarettes through the use of diastyl. It will be really, really, um, uh, uh, not only a bad story about e-cigarettes, it will completely destroy the e-cigarette, you know. Yes. I mean, ob yeah, obviously when uh, legislators see news articles say, Popcorn lung additives found in e-cigarettes, I mean, the, it's a foregone conclusion the way that they're going to vote. They, they're not going to delve deep into the science. They're just going to say, okay, well, this is making the paper, so i got to vote to protect the children, and, and we lose all our rights. But yeah, here, you, you see all these over, overreactions, yeah. uh, and basically, it's the e-cigarette industry which is giving them the, the opportunity the ammunition, to yeah. react in this way, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hate to keep going back to this because I, I, I agree with you that it's not a, a just comparison, but I just want to clear, I want to bring this up more to clear up the misconceptions that are out there. Another thing that comes up is that uh, a lot of vapors will say, well, you know, if there's diacetyl in, in cigarettes, then how come no smokers have been diagnosed with popcorn lung? And I, I think that's because there are so many other irritants and, uh, and and bad chemicals inside of a regular cigarette that at the time where there's actual lung dysfunction that can be diagnosed, there's so many things. Yes, some of it might be from diacetyl, but others might be from tar or simply the inhalation of, of hot smoke or whatever, that the, uh, the diagnosis that's made once the dysfunction is manifest is COPD or something else. So it's not that, it's not that smokers aren't suffering from the effects of inhaling a cigarette, which does have diacetyl, is that there's so much damage coming from so many sources, it's lumped into another category, typically COPD. Is that correct? Yeah, this is what we, we, we try to explain uh, to uh, in, in our publication about the, the, this uh, issue last year. We try to explain why this is not a valid argument. And the reason is simply that the, there is, as you said, so many harmful chemicals in, in the tobacco cigarette smoke, which can, of course, result, first of all, there is a possibility that they just result in another form of disease. 
So let's not forget that smoking is the number one by far cause of COPD. So uh, I would accept this argument if smoking didn't cause lung disease. But smoking is the number one cause of lung disease. So most likely it is the combination of all these harmful chemicals which result in another form of lung disease, which is not very different, you know, from bronchiolitis obliterans. Bronchiolitis obliterans just having some specific uh, histologic uh, findings and pathologic findings in the tissue. Uh, which makes this disease different from COPD. But overall, the, the, the clinical picture is quite similar to COPD, you know. And uh, uh, the other possibility is that there are some cases of COPD, of, of, of bronchiolitis, of popcorn lung disease, let's say, which have been misdiagnosed. And, you know, all cases of, of, of popcorn lung disease uh, who have been discovered till now were initially misdiagnosed or something else. One thing I uh, I also have so a, uh, basically uh, it's not mutually exclusive. When you're talking about the damage that is done by inhaling diacetyl acetylpropanol um, and and the phenomenon of, of popcorn lung, the 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 damage that's done it's not it's it's cumulative and it's and so so in other words when you're inhaling these chemicals there is damage being done. Uh, it's a little bit at a time, of course, but it's not something that, well, okay, if you if you use it for a few years and then you stop for a few years, it doesn't heal. It, it The damage has been done. Uh, unlike, you know, some parts of the lung which can be, become healthy again, this kind of damage is immediate and permanent. It just stacks up slowly over time. Is that correct? Uh, it, it's, it's not so simple. In general, development of disease is a long-lasting process, and in every individual, it's different, you know. Uh, someone may not ever develop COPD from smoking, even though he, he may reach up to 80 or 90 years old without developing any problems. And we have seen smokers who haven't developed any smoking-related disease. On the opposite side, we are seeing smokers who develop lung disease at a very early age. So there are large inter-individual differences. Because the human organism also has some defense mechanisms. And these defense mechanisms differ from one person to the other. But the problem is that you know, the, the development of the disease is, is somewhat long-lasting. Although there were some popcorn lung cases after exposure of just a few years, three, four, five years of exposure. So, but that's probably some people who were probably over-sensitive uh, uh, to the effects of diastole. But in general, there is a point, and this is, you know, a, a general question about medicine, understanding at what point the damage is irreversible because initially in the early stages of disease uh, when when you are you are experiencing the harmful effects of some chemicals the damage is not irreversible there are different mechanisms which work and work and, and can uh, result in somewhat compensating for this uh, harmful effect however there is a point after which and that's, as I said, a big question in every medical field, understanding the point at which the damage is becoming irreversible and trying to um, intervene before that. Uh, so that's a, a big, I mean, uh, research issue in every field of medicine and in every disease, basically. And every disease has this principle. It starts by some exposure, uh, which at some point, the damage that has been done is irreversible. So this is a question that I cannot answer when the damage is irreversible. And this is something that we don't know. And it will be very hard to know. 
because we, we, as I said, we need to uh, examine people who are uh, being exposed to diastole every day for a long period of time. And this is something very difficult to do. Moreover, you have the, the we should not forget that 95% of e-cigarette users are former smokers, so they have been exposed to smoking over in the past. And, you know, when someone develops uh, a disease, usually we say that this is attributed to the previous smoking um, period, but uh, because still it's too early for the cigarettes. But what will happen if when someone is vaping for 15 or 20 years? It's something that we don't, we don't know yet. Of course, as, as I have repeatedly said, we expect the risk to be very, very minimal, if any, compared to uh, quitting smoking without using anything. But this relates to using products which are basically considered as, a, as safe as, as they can. It's not related to using a known risk uh, as, is, as diastole and acetylpropionyl is. Uh, so that makes the story different. So it's very hard for someone to tell you uh, what's the comparison with smoking. And as I said, smoking is not a good comparator. Second of all, we have seen many liquids which contain levels which far exceed the level of exposure from tobacco smoking. Yeah, let's, this is another okay. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly, serious issue. That's exactly what I wanted to talk about next. Now, what when when we last were talking about this issue, it was after I conducted, I sent some uh, some e-liquids to uh, Enthalpy to analyze for diacetyl and acetylpropanol, and the, and the numbers came back. Um, they were uh, what what I think you considered to be high for acetylpropanol. Uh, acetylpropanol, it was something like three or 400 parts per million. Now, when we're looking at these new results that are on the VaporShark website, we see many e-liquids, over 1,000, over 1,500, uh, getting very close to 2,000 parts per million, which I have never seen before. Perhaps you have, but I wanted to talk to you about liquids like that. Let's put this in context and let's put it in a specific context. And by that, I mean, there is a, uh, perhaps it's not the majority of e-cigarette users, but perhaps it is a majority of the of the e-cigarette users who listen to this kind of a program who are using a very high wattage, uh, meaning, you know, a significant amount of power to a low resistance build, uh, taking the vapor deep into the lungs for the purpose of creating a very large cloud. So, okay, so there's that type of user that I'm sure you're familiar with. Now, if you if you pair that type of a user who's using upwards of seven milliliters a day, sometimes 10 milliliters a day, uh, very high wattage, deep into the lungs, with a liquid that, let's just pick a number, I don't know, 1,500, 1500 parts per million. Is it uh, Now, when you stretch that, daily seven to 10 mil of use of that kind of an e-liquid over 10 or 20 years. I, I mean, what we don't really know what we can expect, but can we, can we, can we expect with any, with, with any kind of certainty that, that, that they won't get any kind of disease? I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's high wattage deep into the lungs, a lot of mills a day, 1,500 plus parts per million. I, I, I can't imagine this ending. Uh, I must say I've never seen a direct lung inhalation vapor uh, consuming 7 milliliters. I've heard I've seen a lot higher than it's, that. It's common. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry? I've seen a lot higher than 7, seven milliliters per day. Oh, okay. Uh, it's very rare. At least I haven't met anyone vaping less than 10. 
Okay. By doing uh, the type of vaping that we call direct lung inhalation all day. Okay, so let's call it. There are some people who do it uh, intermittently. Okay. Sometimes per day, well, but those who are doing it all the time, yeah, I've I've not met anyone. I'm sure there would be some, but I've I've not met anyone vaping consuming less than 10 milliliters of liquid per day. Okay. So uh, as we mentioned in the in our paper, uh, the safety limits depend on the consumption. Because you cannot develop a safety limit in the liquid, because what matters is the total exposure, and the total expo exposure, of course, depends on the liquid consumption. Now, direct lung inhalation has another problem, which is besides the higher liquid consumption, uh, and it is the amount of time that you keep the vapor into your lungs. So we have measured that basically. Uh, when you are doing the what we call the conventional type of vaping, so you are taking your puff in your mouth and then you inhale it, uh, we've measured that you keep it uh, in your lungs. The, the inhalation uh, time is about 1 to 1.5 seconds. While in direct lung inhalation, you are basically introducing directly the, the, the vapor into the lung, so it stays in the lung for as long as you are taking the puff. So you're adding, uh, as you progress your path, I mean, it's three, four, five seconds. But from the first instance that you take your path, the uh, vapor is introduced into the lung. So the period of exposure of the lungs to the uh, vapor is much higher. Also, the amount of vapor per path is much higher. It is for or even five times higher than direct lung inhalation, than the conventional type of vaping, sorry. So uh, it's, it's, it's a matter of consumption then, and also a matter of keeping it in your, in your lung for a longer time. So uh, someone who is uh, using a diastole containing liquid, of course he will be much more exposed if he's doing a direct lung inhalation, rather than by doing it uh, in the conventional way that we uh, that people also smoke, uh, mouth and then uh, to lung. Uh, so, uh, yes, it is an issue. So getting... It is an issue related to the, as I said, to the liquid consumption, the amount of liquid consumed per day, and the type and the amount of time keeping the vapor in your lungs. Well, let me, let me put the question to you this way, Dr. Farsalinos. You're a physician. Let's say you had a patient who comes in and he's sitting on, on the table in his underwear and you're examining him and he's telling you that I, I use a, 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 point, a 0.3 ohm build. I use a whatever. A, a, it's a high wattage setup. I'm vaping 10, mils, uh, 10, 10 milliliters a day. He shows you he's taking it deep into your lungs in the way that you described and the liquid that he's, uh, that he's using has been tested at 1,500 parts per million, you're his physician, what do you tell him? My recommendation, as I said, is, uh, and this is something that I said since last year, is uh, one is not to use diastole-containing liquids, especially when you know it, and the only way of knowing it is just by choosing the liquids from companies where they have publicly uh, presented the results of uh, testing, the test reports. This is the only way of knowing that your liquid is diastole and properly free. But as I said, this is my recommendation. Now, concerning what you said, the 10 milliliter uh, consumption per day, 
uh, with a diastole containing liquid at what you said, 1,000 or 2,000 uh, BPMs. Let's call it 1,500. 1,500. Uh, that's about uh, two to three times from what you get from smoking 20 cigarettes per day. You're saying that's two to three times higher than the exposure you would get from smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Exactly. So all these people who are saying, well, and I've seen... If this is acetylpropionyl, sorry, if this is acetylpropionyl... I'm sorry, Dr. Dr. Personally, you cut out for a second there. You started by yeah. saying... If, this if, is, if, is, if the levels, if, if these are the levels of acetylpropionyl, uh, I mean 1500 uh, yes. ppm, then it is 15 times higher than smoking. So, oh, okay. So I, I was under the impression that acetylpropanol was, was worse, but I thought it was a little bit worse. You're saying it's a lot worse. It is less in, in, in cigarettes compared to diastole. Uh, the the levels present in the e-cigarette of acetylpropanol is much less than diastole. I understand now. Okay. Uh, but, but certainly the claims that a lot of people are making, yes, I, of course, the, the, some, some liquids have these chemicals. I've seen posted so many times without any scientific, uh, with any, without any scientific reference, of course, but people saying it's still a hundred times less than what you would get from a cigarette. I just gave a very real world Uh, an example that's happening today. L lots of people are vaping this way and potentially vaping these liquids. I mean, people are buying them, so people are vaping them. Uh, so in that situation, which is quite realistic, 10 mils a day, a high wattage build, um, you're with you know a, a liquid that has 1,500, which we've seen many times on the vapor shark site, so these liquids exist, that you're going to be getting 10 times as much as exposure as you would get from a cigarette, according to you. Yes, and even more than that. Right. So, I, uh, I think, and and yeah. and the problem is uh, now uh, that 100 times less is coming from our study, but the big difference between a research uh, study and uh, personal use is that when we are doing research and we use we we obtained 159 liquids, we of course have to mention the average. When you are using a liquid. Uh, you have to take into consideration what's present in the liquid that you're using. And uh, of course we found on average 100 times less, but we also found liquids which were much higher than smoking in our sample. Uh, and uh, I mean, we had levels that uh, of diastolic exposure which were almost 500 times higher than the safety limit of NIOS and was much, much higher than the um, exposure from smoking. So um, let's not mess, uh, let's not confuse the results of a study, which is the average levels coming from many, many samples from what every vapor is using. So what matters for the vapor is what he is using and what is the level of the liquid that he or she is using. I understand that your Uh, recommendation is just to avoid these chemicals whenever possible, that the acceptable limit is zero. But just to help people when they go, you know, perhaps they're going to the Vapor Shark website and looking for their liquids and they see this lab report and it's got these columns and these numbers and these chemical names and they don't know what they're looking at, but they, but they want to learn. Um, so let's just say, for example, that you see uh, a liquid and it has, you know, it doesn't have any, uh, diacetyl but it does have in the uh, in the other category for acetylpropanol or pentadione or I, i'm not quite sure how to pronounce yeah. it um let's see they see a number it's not 1500 maybe it's 
Well, let's take some examples. Let's say it's 10. Let's say it's 10. 50. Let's say it's 200. Let's say it's 500. What are they looking at in terms of risk? Yeah. Uh, well, the, the very, very low limits, let's say 5, 10, 15, 20 micrograms, uh, are basically, they should be considered as contaminant, which means that it's not that someone is intentionally adding diastylinoacetylpropionyl into the liquid, but it is coming probably from contamination of another flavoring. So you are adding something else, but for example, it is possible that one of the sources of contamination with diastyl is acetoine. Acetoine is not harmful when inhaled, at least from what we know till now. But in the production of acetoine, uh, diastyl is an intermediate, and it is possible that uh, when you are buying pure acetoin, acetoin is not going to be 100% pure, as nothing is 100% pure. So it may contain some uh, diastyl inside as an impurity, as a contaminant. Mm -hmm. So when you're seeing levels of 10 or 20 ppm, these are so low that basically they have no effect on the flavor. So you, you expect that these are not intentionally added to the liquid, but they come from contamination of the basic ingredient, which is something else. But when you see levels of 500 ppm, 1000 ppm, or even more, these are basically intentionally added. I'm not saying, and let's clarify this, uh, from what I know, most if not all the flavor, the illiquid manufacturers obtain their flavors from other companies. Yes. They don't make them in-house. Right. So the problem is coming from the flavor suppliers. They are making the mixtures, they are preparing the, the flavor concentrates, and they are then supplying the illiquid companies. And that's what I said since last year, that there must be a very closer, a very close cooperation between the flavor supplier and the liquid manufacturer. And the liquid manufacturer should apply a lot of pressure to the flavor suppliers in order to remove diastyl inside. I think part from of it, the from, from the from the from the flavoring uh, or acetylpropylene. Uh, this is something that Obviously, some companies have managed to do, some others have not, but uh, the results that I saw from VaporSark, which of course should be congratulated because, as I said since last year, it's not the job of, the, of a retailer company to do those tests. Basically, it's, it's, it's financially unsustainable to ask the retailers to perform these analyses. Uh, so I was really surprised knowing that VaporSack is a retailer, that they perform this analysis on all the liquids that they are selling. But uh, the problem is that, as you said, uh, a lot of people don't know how to interpret these results, don't understand, and it's really difficult to, to understand because everyone, as I said, is consuming different amounts. So you cannot tell him that one number is okay and the other is not. It's not happening because someone who vapes at two milliliters or three, the, the the level of harm will be different compared to someone who is vaping 10 milliliters or 20 with the same liquid. So you don't have any magic number. This is safe, this is not safe. It depends on your consumption and basically, because it is something that is avoidable, you cannot expect anyone uh, expert to give you numbers of safety uh, of safety uh, for these two chemicals, it's 
it's never going to happen. I'm, I'm never going to sign uh, any document saying that these levels are safe. And you will not find anyone doing that. But reasonably speaking, I think that the 10 or 20 ppm level is something that can be accepted until it is removed. But the 1 and 2,000 ppms, I think they should be just removed from the market, to tell you the truth. You know, Especially I, for those people who are consuming uh, large amounts of liquid per day. I and especially for those people who are consuming the same liquid all day. I understand your position as a medical professional and a scientific researcher. Um, I'm, I'm just going to put my layman's opinion out there. If I knew that, if I had a friend who was using 10 milliliters a day with a high wattage build, vaping liquid at a thousand parts per million or more, I would say, listen, if you keep doing this, you're going to trash your lungs. That, and that's just me as a layman. I'm not, as, and I don't even want you to qualify that one way or another. That's just advice I would give as a layman to my friend. But also what I would do at the same time is right now I'm looking on my desk. I have 10 bottles of, of e-liquid. They're all uh, uh, some sort of custard flavor and they all have documentation supplied, not specially to me, but listed on their website or even in their marketing materials that shows lab testing, that shows that these liquids have non-detectable, virtually zero, or at least a machine can't even detect any levels of diacetyl or acetylpropanol. So if I've got 10 bottles of liquid on my desk that have these delicious buttery custard flavors, and they are delicious, and they and these companies were able to do it without without adding any diacetyl or acetylpropanol or, or, or sourcing flavors that don't have these things, then, well, just then the, after I told him, you're going to trash your lungs, I'd hand him one of these bottles and, and send them to their website. This stuff is out there. It's it's easy. It, it may not be easy for a company to do this overnight, to get these, the, the to get to produce liquids that are free of, it, it may not be easy for a company to make that transition, but companies have made this transition. So it's seamless it's completely easy for a consumer to do it you can do it right now you can get these you can get the flavors that you want without these chemicals so why wouldn't you yeah so the the, the vapor who wants uh to use diastyl free liquids or in a probably free liquids the only way of uh knowing that the liquids don't contain it is to uh buy from manufacturers who have publicly presented the results, the test reports of the analysis of their liquids. That's the only way of knowing. And this is one of the lessons that we learned from our study because our study included a lot of liquids which were coming from manufacturers who just uh, mentioned on their website that all our liquids are diastyl free, but still they contained a lot of diastyl inside. So the only way of making sure that you're vaping diastyl-free liquid, if you want to make sure that you're vaping diastyl-free liquid, is to obtain your liquids from manufacturers who have publicly uh, available on their websites the results of testing. That's I, the only way to be sure. Well, now, if someone continues uh, to think that diastyl is, is uh, very safe or much safer than cigarettes and so it doesn't matter, he can, of course... Uh, do it for himself, but I wouldn't recommend advising other people or presenting other people uh, with misconceptions that, come on, this is an exaggeration, there's nothing wrong, and it's uh, all this is a game of 
the scientists and the regulators who want to attack a secret and so on. So they can do it for themselves, but advocating other vapors that the risk is minimal or non-existent or something like that, I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. Um, just, you can control yourself, but there is no reason in, in, in uh, putting more people into uh, your thinking. There's there's one thing that you said that I I, I don't know if I can agree with 100%. And you, you said the only way you can be 100% sure that you're not buying liquids that have these chemicals in them is to go to the companies that are posting results on their website. Now, I think that the vast majority of the companies who are po who are getting their liquids tested and posting them on their websites, y yes, I believe them, but that does that mean I believe all of them? No, I think that there have been companies that have posted test results that should not be trusted, to be quite honest well, with you. Uh, you know, and, and, this so is a you... very big risk for the manufacturer because once this is, because, you know, you, there are going to be researchers who are going to continue searching for the acetyl. Believe me, I was contacted by so many people, by so many researchers from the U.S. mainly, after I published the study, and they were ready to perform the same, the same study. So uh, it's very easy, you know, uh, for someone, and I think you have done it in the past, yes. uh, to be severely exposed and basically kill his own business if he uh, takes the risk of uh, publishing fake results, you know. It's going to be a complete disaster. Right. It's going to ruin his company and his credibility then. Uh, so it is a very risky move to present fake results in order to ascertain, to, to, to assure people that uh, the liquids are diester free while in reality they are not. Yeah. Uh, if I was a professional, the businessman in this field, I wouldn't take that risk. It's very high risk and it's a risk which can basically kill the whole company, you know. And it's interesting in that, and that, you know, yes, an individual consumer can go out and do a test like I did, and that's all well and good, but here we it's, have an... It's, it's here, very but, cheap. But, and, and, but you here, can do it with less than $200. I mean, it's yes. about 100 to $200, let's say. Absolutely. I, mean, and, I, don't, I don't think that the cost is higher than that. No. So it, it, you can easily do it even yourself. You, you just need to tell the lab do this and have a limit of detection of let's say five or 10 ppm. You certainly can, but I think at this point, what Vapor Shark has proved is that, you know, them as a, as a distributor, they tested over 200, maybe 300 liquids all at once. They didn't even, they didn't tell anybody. They didn't, they didn't even advertise that they were doing it. They actually, they actually did this a month ago and nobody noticed until this week because they didn't publicize <laughs> it. They just put it there as a tool for their customers. So they're the first. I hope they're not the last. I hope other distributors say, hey, we're going to distribute our liquids with full disclosure. So here's all, here's everything that we offer and here's how we tested it. And the more that kind of thing happens, I think it's going to put pressure on the e-liquid manufacturers themselves not to take the word of their flavor suppliers, but actually to test their own final product, which clearly has not been happening. When you see all of these companies, so many of them over 400, 500, 1,000 parts per million, they, they clearly didn't test it. They clearly did nothing. They just, they they took the word of their flavor manufacturers or didn't even bother asking, uh, either because they didn't care, they didn't want to know, they didn't want to spend the money, and or they just thought that nobody would ever test their liquid. A level of diastole of 1,000 ppm or more, or even five, 600 ppm is a contamination that the flavor manufacturer didn't know. It's impossible. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it is intentional addition of the compound into the flavor.
Yes. So I'm talking about the flavor manufacturer. I'm not talking about the e-liquid manufacturer. But when you are finding 500 or 1,000 ppm in the ready-to-use liquid, it means that the concentrated flavor has five, six, ten times that. Yeah. And it's impossible for any flavor manufacturer to say that this was unintentional. Because the level is so big, so high, doesn't matter if it's part per million. People hear part per million and think that it's nothing. Well, it's it's a lot more than nothing. Uh, these levels are there only because they are intentionally being added to the liquid. It's not because of a contamination, period. So even if a flavoring supplier says that this was a contamination or anything, that's bullshit. It's not the case. It's certainly not. And by this point, Maybe the consumer doesn't know this, but if you're in the business of making e-liquid, you have to know about this by now. If not, you've been living under a rock and and, and you just don't care. This has been news for, the the issue of, of diacetyl has been known about for years, three, four years. Four years, four. since 2010, 2009. Okay, so four to five years, so they've known about this. So, okay, and and I think that's why we kind of saw the, the switch that many flavoring companies, not e-liquid manufacturers, but flavoring companies, they shifted from diacetyl to acetylpropanol because everybody knew what diacetyl was and nobody knew what acetylpropanol was. They both taste the same, but they're both just about as bad for you, maybe acetylpropanol worse. So they shifted to that. So, okay, it took us a while to figure that out. Thanks to your research. I think that was very helpful in in, in eludicating, eludicating that that issue. But that was a long time ago too. That was That was like two years ago now. So, and then after that, you know, the 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 exposure of, of companies that were saying that they didn't have it and that did have it. So by now, there's no excuse. There's no excuse to trust your flavor companies. And that's something you should have known two years ago. And it's irresponsible for e-liquid manufacturers to just take the flavoring company's word for it because we know so many of them, their their word is no good. It's, it's no good at all. Like you said, there's no way they couldn't know that a final product that's ending up with, with over a thousand parts per million, that the flavor itself is going to be five, ten times that maybe. They, there's no way they couldn't know, yet they still lied about it. So uh, th these companies, not all of them, but many of them, they're just not reputable. They, they're not to be trusted. And for an e-liquid company to, knowing what's out there, the news, all the exposure that's been out there for years, for you to just blindly trust them in this day and age, well, that irresponsibility falls on you at this point. Yeah, exactly. I, I absolutely agree with you. And at the same time, I think that, Uh, uh, the the testing of, of, of uh, the flavors, which can be done either by the flavoring supplier or by the liquid manufacturer, the flavor supplier uh, doesn't uh, accept to do the test and doesn't want to do the test, uh, it should be accompanied by a, an educational campaign for the consumers. Because let's not forget that most e-cigarette users are not members of e-cigarette forums. They don't search every day on Google about e-cigarettes. They don't participate in social media about e-cigarettes, yeah, about cigarette discussions and so on. And many, I, I would say most of the vapors around the world don't know what diastyl problem is. So I think that uh, the effort by the industry to, to perform tests and to make sure that the liquids become diastyl and propanol free should also be accompanied by Uh, uh, a campaign, an educational campaign towards the consumers about uh, this issue, about diastinocyclopropanil. And this is going to uh, generate 
uh, uh, I mean, the education and uh, the having the con the consumers, the customers turn into companies which make sure and provide public uh, publicly the results of testing that they are directing and selling properly free. They are going. Uh, this will force all the other companies to do the same thing. So it will generate a vicious cycle. Well, usually vicious cycle is, wrong, is a bad thing, but this is going to be a very good thing that consumers who, uh, when we see that the consumers are looking for and are um, uh, using diacetyl-free e-liquids, this will force all the other companies to comply with this, you know and to uh, make their liquids diastyl-free and acetylpropanyl-free and to provide publicly their test reports. So this will create a cycle of uh, huge improvement in terms of the quality of the liquids available in the market. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm seeing the results and I'm really disappointed because I was hoping that since our study last year and seeing the impact that it had uh, all over the world and with the regulators, as I told you, the European Union has, is, is, is proposing the testing of, for diastyl and acetylpropanyl in the liquids. Um, I was hoping that things would have been much better. So it was a big disappointment for me. And uh, I hope it's not going to be, uh, I don't know if this is turning to be a very important public health hazard for vapors. Uh, not saying specifically that it's going to be much harder than smoking, but I don't understand why uh, we should expose vapors to something that we can avoid. We know that it is a risk, first of all, and second, we can avoid. I don't see the reason. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Well, the reason is is because it's easy. I, I, I'm trying to think like one of these un, unethical companies. Uh, I, I would think that their reasoning is, well, we have to make changes and that's expensive and it's hard to do. And most people don't know about it and don't care and nobody knows it's in our stuff. So let's just keep doing it because we'll probably be okay. I think that's, I, I think that's the, the, the thought process. It's kind of like somebody who's, who's uh, led a, a risky life in, in, in terms of like, you know, sex and drug use and stuff like that. And they know they should that's get, they, they know, they, you, and, but... and, they, and they know they should go to the doctor and they know sh they should, they should get tested for diseases and things like that. And they don't because they don't want to know. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I told you that uh, there should be a, a campaign uh, for the vapors to be properly educated about these issues because uh, they need to understand why they should avoid this. And of course, if they decide that they don't want to avoid it, at least that should be uh, an informed decision. Not a decision based on ignorance. Yeah, uh, that's the key issue. I mean, we are obliged to provide information to the consumer. Of course, the consumer is responsible for his decisions. That's why I'm always discussing about recommendations or suggestions, and not about forcing anything. But when someone is deciding to use something based on ignorance, that's not wise at all, and that's not. Uh, a proper decision. Everyone should be uh, correctly informed and educated about these issues, and then it's of course their own responsibility to uh, choose if they're going to use something which contains these chemicals or not. But that should be, as I said, an informed decision. I agree with you, and uh, you know what you were talking about before. I think you were you were using the word 
you know, once, uh, you know, every, you know, more and more companies start doing this, you know, the companies that don't will be forced to. And the the, the word force maybe isn't uh, the right word, but the, the, the demand of the market really they will they will have to do it to supply the the, the market yes, properly this and, is this and, is what exactly what i meant by saying yes. they will be forced they will be forced by the pressure from the market yeah the market demand and and, and i think one yes. i think one great way to go about this like i'm holding in my hand right now some of those custard flavors that i like um the company that makes them they they they, they give a piece of paper it's it's part of their marketing Okay, part of their marketing has the lab results on the back. What a great way to do both things. Number one, the educational process. And number two, to generate the market demand. Even even a customer who walks into a store, the kind you say that doesn't really go on the internet, they just go to the store and buy things, they're going to see this piece of paper and it's got lab results. And they're going to be like, well, what, what That's is, a combination what, of what marketing, you know, and education. Exactly. And that's, not, that's quite legitimate. I mean, yes. they can do it for both. I don't mind if they do it for marketing reasons because in this, in this case, marketing also works as an educational campaign. So uh, you, you get both goals. We, we care, we don't care about, of course, personally about uh, about marketing, but when you can do it through a marketing campaign, you also provide education to the vapors, that's very legitimate. And I, I, I really accept and respect that. And I think that this would be a way which would, uh, first of all, serve public health, and at the same time, um, uh, uh, work in favor of the company in yeah. terms of marketing. Uh, so it's perfectly acceptable. I, I, I don't just think it's uh, an acceptable way. In, in my personal opinion, I think it's the best way. But that's just me. I, th I think there's a lot of ways exactly. to do it. I agree there's, with you. There's a lot of ways to do it. I agree with you. Well, Dr. Farsalinos, I want to thank you so much for your time. Is, is there anything you want to say in closing on this issue that we haven't covered yet? Uh, no. Uh, Basically, I think that diast it seems that diastin acetylpropyl is still an issue, uh, which, to tell you the truth, I'm a bit disappointed. I was expecting that at least for the majority of the market, it should be it should not be an issue uh, nowadays, especially after our study last year. But um, it's quite disappointing. I think that there is a need, as I said, uh, for education of the consumers, informing the consumers properly, reliably, and then let them make the decision themselves. And of course, I think that the illiquid manufacturers should show, should show uh, more responsibility uh, because they are giving very, very nice arguments to the regulators to impose stricter and stricter rules and regulations, which are going to cost quite a lot more than the costs of removing a known hazard from the e-cigarette. Exactly. Well, it creates, you know, issues of mistrust. Uh, the regulators are not going to trust the, the manufacturers, and that's the worst thing that can happen. Well, I, I think I'm starting to see that happen, and I couldn't agree with, uh, with you more. And again, thank you for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to follow Dr. Farsolino's research or connect with him on social media, the best place to go is his website, which is e-cigarette.com dash research.com that's e-cigarette hyphen research.com and you dot can org org oh uh, i think dot com goes there too but okay dot com also works but it's the old version now we are uh, uploading everything on a new website which is dot org okay e-cigarette dash research.org 
You can read about some of the studies that Dr. Farsalinos has been talking about tonight that he has done in the past. Look at the upcoming and uh, everything going on with him and connect with him on social media. That's the best place to go. And thank you so much again for your time, Dr. Farsalinos. Thank you, Russ. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Bye. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that. Hey, listen, uh, I know, uh, well, most of you know that after the talk radio portion of the show, I generally like to hang out for another, you know, 45 minutes or an hour to play music. I have some extra work to do tonight because I forgot to locally record the show. Don't worry, there will still be a replay available tomorrow, but I have to fetch it from the cloud, which adds about 45 minutes to my upload time. Grr. I'm going to get started now. Please forgive me for not doing an after hours tonight. We'll be back on uh, track with the normal programming next week. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, thank you. And also, I should say thank you so much to, to Mike from Vapor Shark and Dr. Constantinos Farsalinos for uh, shedding so much light on what's going on here. Thanks to all. Good night.